This is Only We Matter Podcast with Jacqueline and Brandon, bringing generations together. Welcome to Only We Matter Podcast with Jacqueline and Brandon. And Jacqueline, the sun has been beaming into my window when I was setting up. I was like, she's not going to be able to see me today, but it has moved on. You can see me now. The white lighting is perfect. I'm glowing. I'm supposed to say this about you, aren't I? Nice. Jacqueline. It's great to see you. You're glowing today. <laughs> and yet I feel very secure in my identity of that who I am. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. It is so I it is so bright in my office. Like can you even see my eyes? I just don't even think you can see my eyes. The reflection the on your glasses is phenomenal. It it really is. And so I'm thinking I can't even It's okay. Actually, it's good. I can see you. I can see you. I can see you. You can. It's good. I wish our mm-hmm. viewers could. Perhaps next season we'll talk about maybe <laughs> filming our sessions. And I don't even know how that works with COVID. But moving on. Um, you know what? You didn't even notice. I talked about my identity and I was secure in my identity and who oh, I was. Oh, I noticed. Did you notice? I did. I was waiting for you to segue. But uh, Wasn't that, a that is segue? what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about identity a little bit and labels that we're given um, by our culture, by our world. Um, and so, you know, Jacqueline, if we're just getting into it, like one of the, one of the labels that I'm given as a millennial, maybe a little less now because millennials are a little older, but we get this, we get this, that we're, we're lazy. Maybe we don't know how to, um, work all week. Maybe we just, we want to do our own thing. We want to work from home more than everybody. And, and, uh, we're not, we're not going to accomplish anything in our day. And we've, we take that personally and, uh, as millennials. And so I'm, I'm wondering about you, like what were, when you guys were an emerging generation, were there any labels given on you by the generations before? There were some labels. Just want to have fun. Uh, where's your work ethic? Um, you know, are you smart enough to get through high school? And then like, are you going to make anything of yourself? Like, I don't know. It's so funny. Cause I wonder then too, if like, is that just a, a mislabel of adolescence coming and becoming adults, you know, and we, we always, is it a lot of the same labels that we give? Um, is it even, is it even appropriate to label a generation until they've gone? And you can look back finally as a historian and, and say, well, this is what this generation actually did. Like we can actually look at the pioneers and say what they pioneered, right? And we can, right. you know, um, I don't know what you could say about the, the adults in the 70s or something. When you look at the uh, the stock markets and 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 the increase of, of trading and stuff like that in the business world. And, and you can kind of give people labels according to decades. But, but like if you give a label to your generation still, it's like, it's, you're still being labeled. Like you're still being, you're still doing things. (laughs) So I'm just curious, like what, what's the point of labeling, I guess, a generation or a people group for what they've done when they haven't done it yet? Yeah, I think you raise a really good point. Um, because is it that generation or is it just typical, adolescence is it just typical children being children 
uh, you know, we, you know, we get to my age or, you know, give or take a decade and we say, oh, just to be a kid, just be a kid, just be a kid. So we want them to be kids. But then when they're kids, we're like, can you not grow up a little bit? Can you not <laughs> think through this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get up and get working. Yeah. And then we say on the flip side, you know what? You're only a kid for so many years. You're yeah. only a teenager for so many years. You're only in school for a few years. Just make the most of it. Make some great memories. Have a good time. And then on the flip side, we're like, get up and get working. Like yeah. stop sleeping all day. I mean, there's got to be a balance somewhere. And there's got to be some some reality. I mean, I'm guilty of all of that. All of it. I say it, raise my hand, nobody can see it, but I'm guilty of it all yeah. as a parent, but I was also guilty of it as a youth too. Now, I worked hard and I, I've i just always hustled all my life. I, I just don't even, you know, I look back as I prep for interviews and stuff and I think, yeah, I've just hustled. It's just, yeah. I don't know where I get that from. You know, my, my parents were hard workers and, uh, you know, owned their own business for a little time. So, I mean, they hustled, you know, in that, but they were just hard workers, period. They just gave us such a really strong work ethic. And, uh, and I'm thankful for it, maybe to a bit of a fault, but I'm thankful for it. Yeah. And I think maybe like if there was a label, like I think millennials have redefined what work and workplace is. There's still lots of really like still lots of people in, maybe the blue collar jobs of um, whatever it be like, we still have to do those. And there's still lots of people in my generation doing those, but there's other, another side of the generation that I think have wanted to redefine what, what a workplace looks like, you know, what does a cubicle look like? <laughs> what does an office space uh, work mm. look like for those who work in offices? And, um, and I think they've wanted to redefine what that looks like to be a little more collaborative in nature. You know, we've seen some trends like that, um, that, that have come through, um, but, but yeah, I think for a large part, like we can, we can emphasize these, these labels so much that it really is isolating. And I think this is where the generational problem comes in that we, we champion here on only we matter is once we, once we get that one label on our head, that one prejudice in our head, we, we inflate things and then the generation's no good. Right. And then it's like, ah, uh, okay. It's because you're that generation. Like if you could just be a little more like mine. And maybe millennials will do the same thing, right? Uh, if you guys would have been just a little more like us, then then you would have relaxed. done better, right? Yeah. Or um, not even more relaxed. Like I, millennials work so hard, but it's like we just want to work together. There's a there's a bit of that where it's like if we're in an office, give us a big open table, and we'll just put our laptops down together, and we'll work in the same space at the same time. Um, whereas there's the cubicle movement where everyone had their own cubicle, and and you you work that way and millennials have rejected that largely and said, let's, let's mm -hmm. have this big workspace together and maybe some side offices for private meetings. And that's been a, a huge shift of a model of an office. Um, so I do see a bit yeah, of that uh, as a difference. Um, but yeah, I still think there's a lot of labels that are a little, a little inflated, a little inflated, like some stocks these days, certain stocks are a little inflated. No. Yeah. No. I'm like, how come I'm not in, with those stocks? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> why why aren't I inflated with those stocks? 
Uh, so I'm so excited, Brandon, because we're going to talk about labels and identity. And we're also going to do not a comparison, but we're going to see like, what is the counter label or identity from God's yeah. word for yeah. for that. And our guest today is Arden. Dun, da, da, da. Arden Bevere is coming on the podcast and uh, excited to hear from his new book called uh, Redefined. So he's a millennial looking from a millennial's perspective, wanting to reject some labels and accept some new labels. And so we're excited to have him on today. So Arden Bevere is the youngest son of John and Lisa Bevere and the co-founder of Sons and Daughters, a movement committed to raising up a generation of uncompromising followers of Christ who will transform our world. Arden has traveled the world doing ministry and speaking at conferences. He has a passion to see his generation go further than any that came before it, fully alive in this God adventure. Welcome to the podcast, Arden. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. I'm talking. I'm excited about talking about generations, all the different uh, stereotypes and labels that have been placed on different generations. So I'm excited to jump into that. Great. So tell us just about your book. What was the inspiration and motivation behind your message? Yeah. I, I, so, it, so this message actually been five years in the making. Um, you know, I think millennial generation has gotten kind of a bad reputation. I think some of it is a little bit justified. Um, I remember I was in a church recently or not recently pre COVID. I keep thinking like that, that's been a year now, but I was in a church and I remember the pastor was telling a story and then he was like, well, he was a millennial and the whole church just erupted laughing. And I was like, dang it, that is the reputation we have. And so this book came from a place actually of really just my heart cry for my generation. Um, five years ago, my brother asked me, he said, hey, how can we better reach the young adults generation and you know, better position our messages to, to impact their lives? And I remember I went into our conference room and I started thinking, you know, what is this generation? How can we better reach them? And I said, you know, we're, we're pioneers. I said, writing on the whiteboard. I was like, we're pioneers, we're innovative, we're creative. And I was going through these. And then I was like, you know, I need some help. So I went to Facebook. Um, and I asked the question, I said, if you could describe the young adult generation in one word, what would it be? And I remember I got so many responses that came in so fast. But as I was watching all those responses came in, I noticed they were all negative. They were things like broken, entitled, mm. lacking, discouraged, addicted, uh, disillusioned, fearful. And I, I, the interesting thing is, is I, I started watching as my generation started to believe all of the labels that have been placed on us. In 2020, we saw a lot of labels that were placed on this generation. And I watched as my generation reacted and responded based off of those labels, rather than the call of God that's been placed on their life. Wow. And, and so as I was watching all of those labels come in, I remember what God told me to do is actually in that moment, he started giving me scriptures that was contrary to all those negative labels. And what he told me to do was take every single one of those words and write them down in my journal, because this was never supposed to be a book. It was actually just my journal entries. He said, write them down in a journal. And he said, write it down, say why it has been believed over this generation, and then write down the scriptures that are contrary to that label and make that your prayer for your generation. And so that's what I did is I would just continue to pray over my generation mm. saying, hey, we're not a broken generation. The word of God says this about us. This is what we're going to live on. This is what we're going to stand on. 
And um, that was about five years ago. As I said, it was never supposed to be a book. My mom actually was the one that pushed it, being the loving mother that she Classic is. Classic moms. It to, yeah, exactly. I she like was them. like, this needs to be a book. Because well, and the thing is, is I never, I never thought I was actually ever going to be able to write a book. I know mm-hmm. my parents are John and Lisa Bevere, and they've written about 40 books in between them, or maybe 50. But I was in special needs reading and writing programs all the mm-hmm. way through my freshman year of high school. Um, the, just the programs had stopped mm-hmm. at that point. And so I didn't test out of them. So it was never something I thought I could do. But um, I just watched as it became a prayer and a cry for my generation as how God used it. So when did your when did your mom push you to this? Tell us how long did it take from that pushing to it coming up? Yeah, so it took it took about two years for when she started pushing for it. And then it took about three years for it to actually go into process because the whole editing process for me was very frustrating. Yeah. And uh, luckily, actually, my wife stepped in and she she helped me out so much um, because, you know, honestly, I was like, yeah, here's all the content that I have. Here's this. And I was like. I don't think any of this is grammatically correct at all. <laughs> and so she was able to step in and really help me through that. But it was so amazing because as I as I went through that whole, like just researching and learning about this generation and what's been spoken over, I found something interesting. And I found out that, you know, God never labels his people. As I watched mm. through the Bible, he never labels his people because a label, what a label does is a label speaks to who we have been in the past or who we are right now. It speaks to the, the hardships, the pains that we've gone through, mm. all those things that you can see in the worldly view. And that's what the world will do because it can't see past the here and now and, and, and mm. I, or the, the, the then and now. But a label um, speaks to who we have been in the past, but a calling from God speaks to the eternity that he's placed on our heart. And I think that's so amazing. God does not label us. He calls us. He calls us out of our trauma, out of our pain, out of the hardship that we've been through. And he calls us to the eternity that he's placed within our heart. And so that's what I'm wanting to see our generation be defined by, that we're not defined by the labels of this world, but we're defined by the calling that God has placed on our life. We were just talking right before you came in about the frustration of labels on a generation because we're, we're just every generation right now is in midstream of our generation of our generation of what we're doing. Like we're still doing things. Like I think it's fair for historians to look back at a generation that's pretty much gone and say, here's what they did. Here's what we can, their legacy as a label, maybe more so and point back to that. Um, but for, for millennials or even, even boomers, right. I feel like I don't even want to label them yet. Like, um, you know, we label them boomers just because that's how they were born. But like, uh, you know, their, their, their legacy is not over. There's still lots going on. And so that's not helpful until, you know, maybe that most of them are gone. And then a historian can step in and say, Hey, here's what really they did. Here's their legacy. I think that's helpful, but man, the labels right now, where we just are, maybe I can ask you this question then Arden, like what does, what do labels do? How, how do they affect us? Yeah. Well, I mean, it constricts us to all the mistakes that we have made. And that's what we saw. Like, so in 2020, we saw a lot of people reacting and because they were being labeled different things that were not true, that were just being believed because they were trying to react to a situation. And I remember my dad told me this story when I was a kid and he said, Arden, children of God do not react to things. They act upon them. And he said he watched it. He remembered the story of before, you know, before 9-11, back when planes um, had no separation between the cockpit and the passengers, there was a plane that went down. And they recovered the black box, which is, you know, all the recording of everything that went on. And they 
said when they recovered the black, black box, all they could hear was they could just hear passengers in the background just screaming and screaming and terrified and, and just screaming all the way until the plane crashed. And he said, but when what you could hear is you could also hear the pilots. And the whole time, the pilots were completely calm. They were going through their progressions. They were checking all the systems. They were remaining remaining like completely in the moment. And he said, what was the difference between the two? He said, the pilots were acting, the passengers were reacting. And we watched as we live from a place of reaction, you go into a state of absolute panic. You yeah. look at the pandemic, you look at all the things that went wrong in the world, you go into this place of absolute panic. And I think that's the, that's the, the problem and the struggle that our generation um, cannot come under if we live based off of labels. I remember when my, my parents, when we were kids, they did something that we hated. Like we hated it so much. We didn't make sense. It, it makes sense to us now, but during the time um, they used to do something to us, they would call I, I us know, princes. I know. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's what I love. Also, I mean, what they would do is they called us princes um which i thought was always i was like mom is there some like royal heritage that you're not telling me about i was like i thought you came from some you know mafia sicilian man i was like what did you tell me about and she was like no you're princes of the most high god and they would always call us that in the moments that we were acting out when we talked back to them when we said something wrong they they wouldn't gloss over you know the behavior they wouldn't just be like no you're a prince like and just kind of try to kind of they would address the the problem, but then they would speak to a higher call that was upon our life. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the label and the tendencies against, you know, across different generations is different generations can look at another generation and say, oh, hey, yeah, you have a problem. Like you're you're reacting in this situation rather than speaking to the identity and the purpose and the future that has for them. Because as I watched as us kids grew up, what we understood is we grew up and we knew what the word of God said about us. We begin to walk in that understanding and inheritance that my parents had framed out for us since we were kids, even though we didn't understand it as kids, we thought they were crazy, yeah. but they framed out this inheritance, this calling for our lives, not because we were bevere's, not because we were from spe some special family or anything like that. It was just because we were children of God. And so they called us to walk in that inheritance and identity as princes, which I know princes are people who serve the kingdom. Like, that's what I think is so amazing. Like the understanding of a prince yeah. and a princess. So this is across the board. I'm, I have all brothers, so I never heard the word princess as much. Uh, it was just <laughs> prince a lot. But for princes and princesses, they are people, they are people in the kingdom that know the people's heart. They're, they're amongst the people. They, they hear the people's heart and they're able to go back to the father and say, hey, this is, this is what's going on in the kingdom. This is what we, the, the people need. And so that's what we are supposed to be as sons and daughters of God. We're supposed to be people who use our value, use this calling that we've been um, called to, to help serve the people of this world, to help bring about the restoration, the calling, the the inheritance that's been placed on this generation. Because I do believe, and this is what we, we kind of say for sons and daughters, and sorry, I know I'm going a little longer, but uh, for sons and daughters, we talk about, you know, hey, honestly, the problem in the world is not a lack of sons and daughters of God. I think we focus so much on that. The problem I don't think is that, and that might be countercultural. We think it's the problem is, is a lack of sons and daughters of God who have stepped into the fullness of what that actually means. Yeah. Because then you would see the transformation across this world um, I think oftentimes people think, you know, hey, my role as a 
a child of God is just to go to church. And, and Brandon, I know you're a pastor, so it's like go to church and hopefully my pastor preaches the perfect message and yeah. then my friend gets saved and like, that's it. Like, no, Ephesians actually says, um, Ephesians 4.12 says the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and apostles, the fivefold ministry is actually there to equip them to do the work of the ministry. And so this whole time you've been, you know, Brandon, as you a pastor, as other pastors, as, as evangelists, they've been equipping people to do the work of the ministry. And so we want to see more people grab hold of that, those lessons that they learn, what the word of God says, the transformation that happens and walk in that. Okay, that's a wrap. So everybody, we've been with Arden Bavir, and uh, we just want to thank him for coming on. That's well, a joke. That's a complete joke. That's a joke. It's a complete I, I joke. I don't know what the timeline is. It's a complete joke. And we say that when we've just been hit with truth and, uh, and truth with reality, really. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and something that we agree with not just somebody's you know saying whatever it's like no that's the reality of who we are and how we should be living in this present day with other generations you know you talk about um there's lots in there um (laughs) some of the questions i was going to ask you've already covered um but um i like your uh your whole um moment in your book when you talk about uh the tower of babel back in genesis and maybe just give us like just a little just a little snippet of that because i thought that was really important um for not just millennials or gen z's seriously like i hope we just don't have any more letters in our alphabet um so go ahead and just give us a little bit about that yeah yeah, like you said, it, it, I mean, this is all generations. And, and this is talking about the people of God, because what I did is, I, you know, the story of Babel, God told everyone, hey, you need to go separate. Instead of going and separating and spreading across this world, they all came together. They built a tower that they said, hey, we want to make a name for ourselves. And we're going to build a tower that's going to go reach up to heaven. And I found there was a very profound and amazing statement that God makes. And God says, he says, hey, um, because the people are unified in mission, and of language, whatever they do will be possible for them. And and so he had to separate them by changing their language and spreading them across the world. And remember, God told me, he said, what if there was a generation? What if there was sons and daughters and not just a generation? Because I I think this is all generations, as I said before. But what if there was a people group that became unified under one language? And when I'm saying one language, I'm not saying English or Spanish. I'm saying I'm talking about a kingdom language Mm -hmm. where we know how to use our words for life and not for evil, for for bringing unity. I, I mean, I saw so much in 2020. We just were, we were attacking, attacking, attacking because hmm. we saw people as the problem. And that's the thing that we have to understand is people will never be the problem. They are always going to be our mission. And if people become yeah. our problem, then we are so far away from the heart of God. And the kingdom, kingdom language is something that brings unification amongst his people. And I thought about this of what if we can see a generation unified under his word under his kingdom language and unified in a purpose that is for god if we do that then nothing that we set out to do will be impossible so i mean i've since Mm. i was a kid you know i i've always you know i talked to my dad about the stories that he used to tell me about these revivals and all those things and that's what i'm wanting to see for my generation i don't think my generation has seen true revival 
um, because I don't think it's it's been it's it's gone on in our in our lifespan, and I want to see um, transformation happen across this world. And that unity is something that's really I think uh, powerful and profound. I, I think we have this great big barrier in our in our way, and uh, you know when we have social media that that is in front of us. Um, Man, when I go on Twitter, when I go on Facebook, or and I look at other people's posts because I don't, you know, I don't tend to post a ton of controversial things. But even someone posting their opinion, it's like all of a sudden it just explodes, and like there's a, there's a huge fight. Twitter's probably the worst for this, but it's like it's, it's like terrible. there's this explosion of of disunity even among believers. And so, like, what? How can we have be healthy around this thing called social media, and what does that do to us? Yeah, I think the first thing we got to understand is I found this out at a young age. You're never going to change someone's mind over social media. <laughs> like I, I remember when I first amen. got a Facebook. Yes, amen. <laughs> it's just it's not happening. Like when I first got a Facebook, um, I was 12 years old, and I remember people, just random people that don't know me, don't know my family, they would send me just weird, weird stuff about my parents being like, "Hey, your parents are." Or I remember one time they so, said your parents are reptiles, like, what? and they would send me videos of yeah reptiles. They're like they are they are literally <laughs> reptiles, and they would send me videos of interviews of them and be like, do you notice this shimmering light that came right here? That's that's actually a result of them being di- reptiles in disguise, like they're they are evil. And I'm like, these are my parents, and I would I would get so mad and I would respond yeah. back, uh-huh. and then I just realized I never after like years I never got anywhere with anyone. They never changed their mind, and I realized that's that's not how it happens and and i look at my family and mm. and god has called the the body of christ to be a family like that is that is what it is and i love it because there is a blessing that comes when there is unity the bible talks about it so when the people are one there there is where his spirit is and and you look at the the upper upper room and you know when they are trying to pick the next apostle to replace judas um what happens in that is that they pick the next to, to apostle based off a lottery system and i think if that <laughs> happened nowadays there would have been a massive church split like <laughs> yeah. they would have been like the people that'd be like we don't pick a you know an apostle based off of a lottery system all these people would have gone over there and all these people would have separated here and, and i love it because they were completely um they were completely in the wrong like peter was not in sync to what god was doing because he picks the apostle and you never hear his name ever again in the bible because god's design and god's choice to replace judas was always paul That's why Paul said, I am one born out of due time. And and I love it because what happens is even though they are not in sync with what God was trying to do, even though they try to pick a lot, you know, an apostle based off a lottery system, the Bible says that they were unified and one, and then the spirit of God fell. And so right now what we're seeing is I think the enemy is trying to use a tool in social media, which I think is an amazing, amazing tool. I mean, never have before have we seen a generation be able to impact someone all the way on the other side of the world, just through a post or through an encouragement. And he's trying to twist a tool to cause disunity amongst his people. I mean, not amongst his people, but amongst the people of this world. <laughs> and I think if we if we allow um, the enemy's attacks and this disunity to come against us and not see us as family, like here, here's, as I said before, you can't solve it over social media. 
I've always watched this when my family, when we get in big fights, when we get in arguments, what we do is we do the things that people hate. We sit down and we have conversation. We ask, <laughs> you know, why, why was yeah. this thing happen? And I think we, as a, as a generation I've seen, we've just tried to like, we'll say something on social media and then we come in person and we just be like, completely ignore it. Like, we're like, yeah, no, I never said that. Like, no, no, nope. I, I mean, that was social media. And I've had so many times. And I remember we had um, one of our SMD ambassadors recently. She sent this long email. Uh, of something that we had done that had offended her. And I, and I remember we, you know, there was just misintention and all that stuff. And I remember she sent this long email and was expecting an email back. And instead, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to respond back to an email. I was like, I, I just picked up the phone and I called them right then. I'm sorry, that's my generation. To- exactly. <laughs> just, just call. Just saying. Yeah, but I, I called her right there. So then we were able to come to an understanding of, both being able to hear one another's hearts, hmm. like being able to see, hey, this is where this is where I, I I miss you know miss all this, and this is where the the miscommunication was, and we were able to come together. I mean, you cannot hear people's hearts through social media, and that's why I think it's you just can't get things solved. You know, we um we always read uh, whatever it is, email, text. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, we're always reading it through the glasses that we're wearing. So whatever is happening at that moment, when you read it, that's how you're going to perceive it. And that isn't mm. that isn't always accurate. And I think, you yeah. know, that is, you know, one of the um, tools that the devil will use for us. Yeah. Right. Um I want to talk about, you made this statement, um, I think it's from page 180, you say, gratitude accompanied with patience is our generation's secret weapon in the battle to eliminate our sense of entitlement. So I want to talk about two things. I want to ask you, is your generation patient, like naturally? And two, I want you to... um, we all think we know what entitlement means, but let's just break it down. And I like how um, somewhere you talk with your brother about uh, your your brother using a lot of different words in the English language. And you're like, dude, just say it naturally for me because like, I just need to hear it. Um, so just break it down so that our listeners don't get mixed up with what entitlement means. And I want to know if you think your generation is patient. Yeah, so I think the simplest way to identify entitlement, and I think this is this is my simple definition from what I've experienced because I went through that process of entitlement. But I think the simplest way to say it is wanting our will over God's will. So wanting wanting our timing over God's timing, and I think that's the one of the biggest breeding grounds for entitlement. Because what I I have seen from my generation is oftentimes. Um, when God places something on our hearts that we want to do, we will try to push out um, any generations that are standing in our way rather than leaning into the wisdom that they have for us in our season. I remember from my, my, my story, um, I came into the working for the ministry and I thought I was like, God, God has a call in my life. I'm young. I understand this generation. I need to be elevated in my position. And I think with my generation, we're so used to instantaneous stuff. Like, you know, yep. if, if you want to get in contact with someone, you text them. We don't we don't remember the days when you had to memorize phone numbers uh, and all those things and and had to leave voicemails on people's phones. Like it, it just wasn't it wasn't a thing. If you want to get in contact with someone, you text them. If you want food, you can do Uber Eats or, or you know, DoorDash, anything Microwave. like that. So we're used to, yeah, we're used to instantaneous <laughs> stuff. Um, 
So we don't like to wait around when it comes to our purpose. Mm -hmm. And I remember when mm -hmm. I came to, you know, work with my family, I was like, there's, there's a call on God on my life. You guys need to elevate it, all these things. <laughs> and I watched as my parents, they, they were great through that whole process. They helped me, but they were also, they, they wanted to see things happen for me. And instead of me like being thankful for the opportunities that they were given, I continued to keep being like, Hey, you guys need to give me opportunities or I need to move away and become a youth pastor somewhere. Um, and that would have been an awful thing because I would have been a terrible youth pastor if I could not even work <laughs> for my parents with this understanding. And I remember um, I, I thought to myself, I need to, um, I need to go away and I need to learn. And so I went away and did Bible college. And through that Bible college, I learned this idea of serving. And that's, I think, is one of the key mm -hmm. to combat and understand. We talked about this in the before is your position in, in the kingdom is not for you. It's for serving other people. And what I did when I came back and started working for my ministry, because I had a phone call with my mom and, and my mom was like, nothing's changed. You won't get new opportunities or anything like that. And I was like, mom, I know nothing has changed. But I said, there was only one thing that needed to change. And that was me. And that has changed. And I said, so I'm, I think I'm ready to come back. And so I remember I went back, I was working um, at the same position, but I was doing it all volunteer based. Um, and I did it volunteer based for three months. And then I got hired on for part time. And I was only making half the money I was making before, but I had never felt so fulfilled because I was just so grateful um, and understanding and being able to learn from all the things, all the wisdom, uh, the experience that my parents had, and also being able to travel with my dad and, and listen to all these pastors and leaders have these conversations with them. Um, and I think that's the key that my generation, we've got to grab hold of. Um, there is a, there is there is a process that has to happen um, that will develop the character in you in order to handle the calling that God has on your life. And the process is something we don't enjoy, um, but I'm telling you, it is essential for it. My dad always told us boys, he said, my prayer that I always tell God, he said, I always tell God that I never allows the calling of God on my life to outgrow the character that is on my life. He said, because if it, if it does, he said, I want it to be taken away from me. And so I think, yes, we have a little bit of a, hey, we want to, we want things to happen so quick. Um, but I found that when we want things to happen super quick, sometimes they will happen. But in order for those things to actually happen, something will have to die. Um, you know, that might be a, a loss of trust or a death of, you know, trust or a relationship or things like that. But if you push your own agenda rather than leaning into God's timing for your life, um, you're, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the, 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 the character that is being built in that process. And I think that's something that is so important, something that we're seeing more and more, honestly, as we're watching as, you know, some of these bigger pastors, honestly, we, my mm -hmm. parents were having a conversation with some big pastors and they said, honestly, right now we are just, we're finding out that the heroes in, in faith are honestly the people that are just still going, that are just have, they have remained true to what the word of God said, that they have allowed their character to be the guiding thing and not the gifting or the skill upon them. Um, so that's what I'm wanting to see from my generation, um, that we combat this with gratitude, because that's the whole key, you know, standing in gratitude, being able to look at all the things that God has done in your life and not to push your own agenda, but to lean into what he's already done and to experience the growth. I mean, I remember I heard a story about a pastor and he was talking about his his daughter. And he said, you know, when my daughter was born into this world, I remember looking at her in the crib and he said, I just thought to myself, everything that uh, that is on this young girl's life he said i want to help it 
come to fruition. And he said, it just felt us overwhelming feelings of that. And he said, I thought about that's exactly how Jesus and God sees us. God sees us in this way of whatever dreams he's placed on our heart. He wants us to see those things come to fruition. So we can't, we can't become discouraged in the process. We have to continue to press through it. So Brandon and I are both like, <laughs> we, we got our hands up. So Brandon, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Nope, you go. Well, I, I want to talk about this gratitude because um, I hear so much about just be gratitude. Um, grateful. Thank you for whoever like jumped in and saved me there for a moment. Uh, let's just be grateful. Let's just be happy. Let's just, uh, you know, be thankful, which are all very specific things from the Lord that we need to to have. But there's got to be a reality. Like it's got to be balanced. It can't always be gratitude, 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 gratitude. There's got to be a balance. And that's my generation saying, okay, like let's level the scales here. Let's be, let's be real about where life is at and what's happening, but be thankful through those situations. Agree or disagree? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It's been, it's being real and understanding. I mean, through that time, when I came back, um, I watched as, you know, hey, I was working part time and I watched as there was a lot of things that needed to change. There was a lot of realities and there's a lot of discouragement that came during that time. Um, but I think, you know, I, I love uh, this idea of gratitude because I think that's, you know, the world will look at all of the things going wrong in the natural, as we talked mm -hmm. about before. And the idea of gratitude, as I said, it's our secret weapon is the idea of gratitude is being able to see beyond the natural things and speak to, hey, the things that will come or the things that maybe, you know, you don't see in the natural. Like, I, I love what what God did with Hannah, like Hannah. Hannah goes through this process when she's wanting to give birth to Samuel. And the whole time she's like, I'm praying, I'm crying out for just one son. She's like, I just want one son. And this whole time she's praying and she's believing for just this one son. And um, she becomes discouraged. And what she does is she runs into the presence of man. She goes and she gets in the, the presence of man and she begins to just sink further and further in her despair, further and further in her discouragement. Um, and she's like, well, all I want is just a son. And the interesting thing is the Bible says that God closed Hannah's womb. So God will allow us to go through seasons of uh, barrenness where we're not producing fruit. We're not we're not feeling like we're making strides in our lives. We don't feel like we have things to be grateful for in order, as I said, in order to develop the character for us to be able to go to him and cry out to him with everything that we have. And I love it because Hannah goes through that process. And then Hannah goes to the temple after she goes to the presence of man and realize I'm not going to get what I want from the presence of man. And she goes to God and she cries out with everything she has. And, you know, Eli blesses her and she goes out her way and she falls, you know, falls pregnant later that night. And I think the amazing thing that you can look at Hannah's life is the whole time she thinks she's fighting for just one son. But she was not just fighting for one son. She was fighting for six children. God blessed her with six kids. And the first son was Samuel, who went on and anointed King David. And so this whole time, what we can do is oftentimes we can become discouraged by looking at all the things in the natural and say, God, I've been crying out. I've been praying for this. I've been I've been doing all this. And I, all I want is just this. 
And, and I love it because Hannah thought she was just wanting just that one thing. And God said, no, you are wanting what I have for you is so much greater than what you could be expecting so much more than you ever dreamed or believed in. So that's what I think is our generation is we try to push our own agenda when we don't, when we don't lean into that gratitude that season. I watch, um, I remember when, with my life, I watched as when I was entitled, what I kept saying is we need to do more things for the youth and young adults. And I kept trying to push that agenda on the ministry out of the wrong timing. And when I came back, I did not, I guess I still had the same vision. I still had the same desire to see youth and young adults more targeted with our messages, but I did not come back and try to push my timing. I continued to lean into the prayers that I had about my generations, the thing I wanted to see. And I watched as two years down the road, my brother came to me and said, hey, um, I want you to pursue this idea for the, the young adults and the youth. And that's what actually birthed sons and daughters, which is our youth and young adults ministry, where we are, we have, you know, 30,000 pe uh, people in our network, and we have uh, over 400 um, ambassadors around the world that are leading groups through our content um, to be able to equip and grow people in their identity and calling with God. So I watched, if I would have pushed that back then, um, it, it would not have been what I thought it would have been. But I watched as I continue to stay faithful to the timing that God had. I watched as he did something that I never dreamed could have happened through us. Yeah, and I just want to encourage you in that, like, and say, wow, well done on that to lean into him and, and to battle through what it is to be entitled. And, you know, we battle through it through our entire lives and have to constantly, that's why scripture tells us all the time, you got to take up your cross daily and follow him, right? Is this constantly approaches and it's so fun to see your life so full of scripture and and that's where you're getting your fuel and your examples from and uh, i've been encouraged today and hopefully our listeners as well uh, your book is called redefined and where can listeners connect with you online and pick up a copy of the book yeah they can um, they can find the book and everything they can get the book all on amazon i always say that's the easiest place but they can get anywhere books are sold and they can connect with me on ardenbevere.com um, and I just want to say to you guys, like, I, I mean, I'm 26. This is like you said, the word of God has been the foundation for my life. I'm 26. I have so much to learn and I'm still constantly learning. But as I lean into what the word of God just says, and, and that's being my foundation, not not the information I receive from, you know, messages or things like that, but the transformation that you get from the word of God, um, you'll watch as this generation changes. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Arden, so much for for being on today. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And we were encouraged, and I know our listeners will be encouraged as well, to go out, grab that book called Redefined by Arden Bevere. Hey, we're trying to build each other up, not ignore each other, here on Only We Matter podcast with Brandon and Jacqueline. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button and keep the conversation going.